Welcome, one and all, to the Cock and Bull podcast where once every seven days I teach my older, more knowledgeable brother about something from world history. My name is Spencer Faust. My name is Nathan Faust, and at Black Agus, your name is Peaches. <laughs> Nathan, how are you doing this week? I'm delightful. If you can't tell, I listened to Patton Oswalt's special, Feeling Kind of Patton. You should listen to it. It's better than this. Ah, good. The plug that will never return on investment. It's a tradition. It's a tradition. On October 2nd, 1887, Violet Constance Jessup was born in Argentina near the town of Bahia Blanca. Her parents, William and Catherine Jessup, were Irish immigrants, and Violet was their oldest of nine children. Of course she was. Oh, sorry, Wait, quick aside. oldest of nine children? Yeah, three of them died. That's just they a They got it right enough. on the first one? <laughs> it very rarely takes on the first try. I'm fairly impressed. Also, Argentina. Is this, what, what year is this? This is uh, 1887. 1887. All right. I feel like they probably found cocaine by then. (laughs) Violet, as the oldest child, was also the busiest. She spent most of her time helping her mother take care of her siblings, while her father worked as a shepherd. As the oldest child, I can tell you that did not carry through to the 21st century. I was not helping take care of any of you little fuckers. Uh, Well, Nate, I remember you worked tireless shifts at the Target mine. Yep, that was absolutely true until they fired me for theft. That's a good story for another day. Didn't steal. Let it be known. Fuck you, Target. At a young age, Violet contracted tuberculosis. (laughs) Like you do. Given what we know about the disease, it's impressive that only three of her siblings ended up dying. Uh, But what's more impressive is that she managed to survive her bout of TB, despite doctors giving her less than a year to live. Wait, so she got the TB, killed three of her siblings, and survived? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, this, I'm sure this will end well for her. Now, when Violet was 16, her father died of a botched surgery. I shouldn't have chuckled at that, but I don't know why. Anytime I hear of a botched surgery, I think of it like a botched boob job. And I just imagine him getting sweet, sweet, like, butt implants and it going wrong. (laughs) The family packed up and moved to England because apparently dad was all that was holding them down in South America. Okay, I feel like their life's getting better. This is not the way these podcasts usually go, but keep going. It was in England that Violet started attending a convent school, while her mother began work as a stewardess aboard the Royal Mail Line, a naval shipping company. Violet spent much of her time, again, taking care of her younger sister. The boys could take care of themselves at this rate, because we're talking about the late 1800s. (laughs) Yep, late 1800s, you mean it to four, you're a man. Violet's mother became unexpectedly ill. And so it fell on to Violet. No, no, it's the 1800s. Everyone's expectedly ill. And so it fell on to Violet to pick up the slack. Violet left the convent and looked for work as a stewardess, just like her mother. Now, Violet, 21 by now, was very pretty by most accounts. She had auburn hair, gray-blue eyes, and spoke with an Irish accent. At the time of reading this, or at least, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, the profession of stewardess was dominated by a need for conventionally attractive people because, you know, eye candy and sexism and whatnot. In the early 1900s, it was the other way around. Employers in this line of work didn't want their employees getting distracted by boned up douchebags looking for asses to grab. So most stewardesses at the time were middle-aged to avoid that kind of problem. Violet, in order to get this job dressed down, and used makeup to appear less attractive. It is the year 2018. Uh, Me Too is alive and well, and goddammit, it should be because we are, we are getting progressive. And I don't know what, how to be offended by this is the problem. <laughs> I, I want to be a good person. I desperately do. I, res- I respect our lady people fist up. 
Lady Power. But I don't know which part of this to be offended by. Violet landed the job. Though, despite her efforts to get ugly, three passengers, all total strangers, did end up proposing to her while she worked at White Star. Okay. Wait, White Star, no. Fuck you. Fuck off. No. Mm -mm. No. Calling it. I'm, no, mm-mm. I've had a little bit tonight, and I still fucking call this shit. Nuh-uh. No, we Titanicking this motherfucker. We are, pull the Celine Dion. We are going on the goddamn Titanic. Let's go, bitch. <laughs> Her first real opportunity was with the White Star Company, who ran trips across the North Atlantic. Violet wasn't fond of this company, as her mother often had complained about the demanding passengers that accompanied it. Being a beggar, though, Violet had little choice. She took up the job at 17 hours a day for two pounds a month. Now, that's the equivalent of 250 pounds today, which, for my brother here, means 345 U.S. dollars. I am singing My Heart Will Go On in my head over and over and over again until you get to it. So the quicker you get there, the better for all. The White Star Company had a trio of Olympic-class liners, as they called them. The first that Violet served upon in 1910 was the RMS Olympic, self-named for its liner class. Sure. The Olympic was, at the time... Uh, the largest ship of its kind in the entire world. And Violet was lucky enough to serve on it. Lucky, that is, until September 20th, 1911. As the Olympic was passing through the Solent, a narrow oceanic gap on England's coast, it ran parallel to another ship, the HMS Hawk. As Olympic turned to its left, the width of the ship took the commander of Hawk by surprise, and he had no time to course correct. So the Hawk's bow, which had been designed to sink ships by ramming them... <laughs> collided with the Olympic's starboard side near the stern, tearing two large holes in Olympic's hull, above and below the waterline, resulting in flooding in two of the compartments. Despite this, Olympic was able to return to Southampton on her own, and nobody was killed. Violet escaped that day alongside John Arthur Priest, a stoker aboard the ship who she and many other crewmen strongly admired. Now those two would soon find themselves aboard their next gig, White Star's next Olympic liner, the RMS Titanic. Ha ha! Yeah, all right. Yeah, I know it. I know some things. All right, let's get on the bow. King of the world. Despite how little it's been talked about over the past 106 years, I'm not really going to cover the hours of content there is to say about the Titanic and how it sank. On April 14th, oh, 1912. Oh, he may not be. He may not be. I am. I'm going to talk about nothing but that. Did I ever tell you the story about that freaking store next door to me when I managed the AT&T store in the Chesterfield Mall? That, uh, that, that literally, it was a piano store. They taught piano lessons, and the way they tried to bring people in was they would just play, like, the tunes that the person knew how to play. The only song this bitch knew how to play was My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion, and only part of it. And she knew how to play the part that was, she played that over and over. 25 minutes continuously this bitch played that song. I almost went over there and throttled her. Okay, that is everything I have about the Titanic. That was close. Since I know you love it so much, I'll give you the rundown. On April 14th, 1912, the ship struck an iceberg late at night. You the don't ship say! Was the ship was supposed to have 64 lifeboats, but it was only carrying 20. Four of them were broken in the collision. The lifeboats could hold 65 people at maximum, and the first boat launched with 28 people. This sounds like a war The Titanic problem. had 16 layers of waterproof hulls, and five were torn completely through. The ship could only survive four of them flooding. So overall, it was one of the worst disasters at sea, with a loss of life totaling... 25, this is an SAT question. With a loss of life totaling nearly 1,500 people, all of which could have been avoided with regulations that weren't followed. Ah! Violet! Ah, take that, fucking Republicans! Violet didn't really want to leave the Olympic. 
as it was still seaworthy after some repairs. Her friends, however, convinced her that the Titanic was a world-class experience that she simply couldn't miss. I mean, I have seen Violet that movie, and her... yes, if you have an opportunity to work with James Cameron, you do it. He may be a psychopath, but goddammit, he's going to make you famous. Violet enjoyed her breaks on the Titanic, where she walked to the upper deck and took in fresh air. Now, down below in her chambers, she would then chat with her boss, pray, and rest dance, when she was Dance working. like they did in that movie. I've never seen the movie Titanic, people. I hope you all have understood this by now. I apologize to everyone. It's just... It's, it's a you thing I know. You were this gung-ho to talk about Titanic and you haven't seen the movie? You are cultural osmosis, okay? it's a, My wife loves it. I'm late to the game, love Leo DiCaprio. I feel like it's just a thing I have to be a part of. It was in my fifth grade yearbook, which was the first one in color. It was a big deal. Not a very appropriate movie for kids. No! Oh, God, no, we didn't watch... What? I mean, yeah, I don't... I mean, other than that time that she got her tits out, I mean, that was great. I mean, that was that was a revolutionary moment in all of our lives, but we all got past it. Our, our brother-in-law has told this story a handful of times, but um, I believe when he was a when he was a kid and went and saw the movie, as they were leaving the theater, I, I guess maybe his parents didn't expect that that titty scene to happen. Well, so why would as you? They God were, damn it! No one thinks a movie about the, the boat sinking. Let's whip our tits out. I, it's, it's it's a reasonable expectation. As they were leaving the theater, his mom, very distressed, just turned around and succinctly put it as, some girls got big boobs, some girls got small boobs. And that's that. <laughs> oh, God. On the fourth night of their voyage, Violet had settled down with her roommate to read from a book of Hebrew prayers that her father had given her. With her rosemary in hand, she read the prayer and then asked her roommate to read it as well. With her what in hand? Rosemary. Rosemary. Oh, fuck, rosary. No, it's rosary. Thank you. Okay, I am protecting you from the Catholics. They're out there. They're they're uh, they're uh, they're a feisty bunch. The prayer she read that night was one meant to quote protect her from fire and water. She recalled. Ah, uh, she failed miserably. She was comfortably drowsy, but not quite asleep when the iceberg struck the hull. Quickly, she made her way topside, where officers got her into the 16th lifeboat. As, as the boat was being cast down into the ocean, an officer leaned over deck and said. Here, Miss Jessup, look after this baby, and tossed a baby into her lap. Holy shit! Oh, God, okay, man. Just give it a chuck, those things are durable. Yeah, no, I mean, I've got one, you can't break them, they're hard to break. The baby was thrown into her lap, bundled in cloth, and Violet indeed took the baby. After eight hours of rowing to safety, her boat was picked up by the Carpathia. On deck, as Violet clutched the baby... A woman ran up and snatched the baby from her arms violently. Oh, Jesus! Apparently, the woman had set her baby down on the deck of the Titanic in order to grab something, and the moment she returned, her child was gone. Okay, hold on. Whoa, that was close. Hold on, man. I went on a roller coaster ride there. One. Who the fuck sets their baby down on the deck of the Titanic? Guys, god damn it. How? How is that a thing you do? And then you looked up and it's gone, and then how did that bitch get off the Titanic too? I've led to believe no one got off that boat. Quote, I was too frozen and numb to think it strange that this woman had not stopped to say thank you. I mean, for real! You saved my goddamn baby and the first thing you go is snatch your baby back? Like, goddamn it, you stole my baby. But really, if you're that woman, don't you assume that she's the one that snatched your baby off the floor no, and ran off of it? because if I'm trying to get off the Titanic, my assumption is babies are dead weight. Get the fuck off! Not, oh, let's grab some extra babies while we're at it. I'm throwing <laughs> out into the ocean and the last thing I need is an extra goddamn baby. I assume that she did what I did, which is drop the baby off and pretend I lost it 
and then uh, be like indignant later when somebody actually saved my baby. Anyway, this is the point where uh, all the excitement in her life is over, so we just uh, kind of wrap up with the other minor shit she did. Following the disaster, Violet was obviously a little bit shaken. After a few years, though, Homegirl still needed to make some bank, so she somewhat reluctantly jumped right back into the game. She found work with the Red Cross during World War I, and by 1916, she was sailing with the HMHS Britannic. No! No! Damn it! Why do you keep naming the all third, the boats I know? The third of these Olympic-class vessels that White Star had used. So this is the triplet in the Titanic yeah. trilogy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the third. This is our, this is our uh, Revenge of the Sith. Bring it on, baby. This is our, this is our uh, Back to the Future Part 3. Get on the train, baby. We're getting on the train game. It was a hospital ship operated by the Royal Navy. Now, the Britannic was designed with the flaws of the Titanic in mind, so I'm sure that was a major load off of her mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we figured it out this time, guys. Third time's a charm. Trust old What is that star. like when you're like, okay, yeah, you're signed up with the uh, you're signed up with the Britannic, yeah, Red Cross hospital ship and all that. She gets to the dock and she's just like, no! God damn it, I've seen Final Destination. I know how this ends. <clears throat> the Britannic was sailing in the Aegean Sea. Haha, he says with the emphasis of a man that has not just been corrected on that word. Near the Mediterranean, having made five successful voyages in the area already. Loaded with wounded and ready to depart, the Britannic made its way back to England with a little over a thousand passengers. On November 21st, 1916, an explosion rocked the ship as it passed by the island of Key. To this day, we're not certain what caused it. Though yeah, most we are! Apparent we're guests... absolutely certain! We've uncovered that mystery! It's this goddamn cursed bitch! <laughs> with it's Super Jessup and her goddamn boat sinking powers! We know who sunk it! We spent 20-something minutes yelling about it! With sinking a certainty, passengers made a quick and efficient effort to escape. Forced to leap from the deck as the ship went under, Violet briefly flirted with death as the weight of the boat sucked her back under. After striking her head on the propeller, Violet scrambled to the surface, where she might have almost drowned were it not for the color of her hair. A crewman was able to spot her writhing beneath the water in confusion, and she was promptly scooped up before she could drown. The extent of her head injury would only be discovered much later in life when she went to see a doctor about a series of headaches. Her skull had been fractured without her knowledge. Oh, I was hoping she had a giant propeller sticking out of her head, and we just thought no one noticed that for a couple years. <laughs> Felt like that would have been really, more. Like, I, I say she, she struck her head on the propeller. The propellers are like, what, They're 50 big. feet tall? Like, I've seen them, yeah. No, I've seen the movie. I've seen James Cameron's masterpiece, Titanic. They're big. They're big. I assume they didn't. Wait, excuse me. I think you directly admitted like less than 10 minutes ago that you haven't seen the movie. Not if you edited correctly. Damn it. The white pride quote. Whoa, what? Whoa, what? Quote. The white pride of the ocean's medical world dipped her head a little, then a little lower and still lower. All the deck machinery fell into the sea like a child's toys. Then she took a fearful plunge, her stern rearing hundreds of feet into the air. Until with a final roar, she disappeared into the depths. Why do they make this boat sinking sound like it's twerking? Stop it. Stop it. People were so much more poetic. More importantly, if we're talking about poetry and back then, I feel like poetry didn't die until the late 90s when Celine wrote... And we all stopped writing songs because we knew we had won at that point. Anyway, Violet survived. Within four years... She was back in business with White Star, but fortunately, 
for her, she passed whatever test the universe was putting her through, and she was finally done with the shipwrecks. Oh, why not? Why wouldn't she be? She would go on to have one shitty marriage in her 30s, and a tenure with the Red Star line, and then the Royal Mail line once again. <laughs> Please, God, tell me the Red Star was run by the Russians. Like, I feel like it would just feel more appropriate. <laughs> she took part in two around-the-world cruises, and would eventually retire in 1950. Some years after her retirement, Violet said that she received a phone call late one night from a voice she didn't recognize. A woman on the other line asked if she had rescued a baby on the night the Titanic sank, to which Violet answered yes. The woman laughed and replied, I was that baby, and then hung up. No! Why? How? No! That can't be it! What? What kind of fucking goddamn prank call is that? Is your is your fridge running? No. Well, I'm the one that saved you on the Titanic. <laughs> Who does this? Though Violet's biographer told her that it was probably a local kid playing a prank, Violet insisted it couldn't be because she hadn't told that story about the baby to anybody before. Then again, the research uh, of, of search and rescue records indicate that the baby she rescued was a boy named Asad Thomas, so... uh she Wait, might have whoa, just been a little whoa, senile. Whoa, 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 Pardon? Yeah. The guy she, the, I didn't the boy see she, an Assad on James Cameron's epic masterpiece, The Titanic. I feel like I've been lied to. <laughs> when did they do roll call in that movie? On all 1500 I don't know! Probably during the parts I didn't watch. We've established I haven't seen it, goddammit. Oh, uh, no, Nathan, that's... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I do remember the part. I remember the part where Rose is walking around on deck and she's talking to her handmaid and she's like, I hate being rich. I wish I were poor. And then Jack comes out and he's like sketching her with charcoal or something. And then he like turns to his right and he just goes, hey, Assad, give me the drink. Wait, Assad's the bartender? I thought he was the the, child. I'm very confused. Is Assad the baby handing Leonardo DiCaprio a drink? Like, is there a scene in Titanic where Leonardo DiCaprio is handed a gin and tonic by a baby? Well, Assad's actually, uh, if you you look at the the behind-the-scenes lore with James Cameron, Assad is actually, it's baby-sized, but an adult's head. (laughs) The extended universe Titanic novels. I remember those. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's got insular dwarfism, but in the weirdest way. He's got a young uh, baby bod, but a uh, full grown adult head. That's that's uncomfortable. I feel like that doesn't benefit anybody. Oh God. Damn. And her caretaker, you know, in the confusion set him down. Also, are we not gonna highlight the fact that you saved my baby on the Titanic and you're gonna claim you never told that story to anybody? That's the only story you told when you went out drinking at the bars. Yeah, I swear she must have been just senile by this point, because not only did she believe that a woman she rescued a baby girl but like it was a boy i don't know it seems unlikely i feel like that i feel like she would have to be telling that story all the time all the time in 1971 miss unsinkable finally died of congestive heart failure and so ends 71 71 1971 she was born in she was born in 1887 i remember back that far God, all right, well, good. I mean, 84. Good 84 is a good age. Sinking, we'll, we'll keep you alive. But yeah, yeah. she uh, is the only, uh, she's the only person to survive the sinking of all three of the Olympic trio ships. <laughs> she hit the triple crown of random boat fuckery. The, the worst award you can probably win. I can't imagine. She's the only one, really. Only one. 
I feel like literally yesterday morning I had to play a video of something with my heart will go on underneath it, so I sincerely appreciate you giving me an opportunity to vent the rest of that out of my system. Uh, I want to thank Driftless Pony Club for letting us use their song They Were Buffalo on the Ark off the album Cholera. As well you should. Now, obviously, the beginning and end of this particular uh, episode will be My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion off the album My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. The Titanic soundtrack, parentheses, my heart will go on. Uh, it's that one. It's just that one. If you're, I, I, I love the Driftless Pony Club. They are amazing, and the fact that they let us use their song is impressive. But if you're a true fan of this podcast, you've obviously done the Dark Side of the Moon cut where you sync up. My heart will go on to it. So, I mean, we all know what song you're really listening to, but it's cool. Thanks, Driftless Pony Club. I appreciate you. If you want to get a hold of us uh, for whatever reason, either to make Nathan say something or uh, you can tweet at us. That is at Cock and Bull Pod, all spelled out. If you want to get a hold of us for a sponsorship deal, uh, Chevy, that's where you can find us. Just tweet us publicly, you know. Yeah. Yeah. This was something. Waiting, I'm waiting on your sign off. You're waiting on my sign off. My, my near That can't be the end.